0: Food Heals Podcast, episode 193. We met at New Media Summit. And the first thing that you said to me was, Do you remember?
1: Yeah, I asked you if you've ever had a guest get naked on your
2: show. <laughs> no one's ever asked us that before. Yeah, I
0: thought it was a good opening line. So I booked her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and in stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a
2: selfie to Instagram immediately.
0: All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody.
2: And I'm Susie Hardy. Today, we're talking all about mindset, self-love, gratitude, and how to overcome trauma and truly thrive in your life. Yes, we
0: have two beautiful women on today's episode, two interviews, people. They are here to tell their stories and their tips for transforming their trauma into their triumph. First up, we're chatting with mindset expert, Jolene Philbrook. In 2008, Jolene survived a rare type of breast cancer as she was also going through a custody suit with no income. I can't even imagine the strength it took to get through that.
2: And then on top of that, in 2010, Jolene survived kidney cancer. Now she shares her wisdom and experience through those challenging times so that you can find your inner strength, prosperity, and happiness to live your greatest life. And then we'll be speaking with Joy Chang. Joy is a best-selling
0: author, a speaker, a transformational coach, an energy healer, and circle facilitator. And she's on a mission to touch lives and inspire women to
2: live as love. Through her powerful online programs, meaningful mentorship programs, and impactful speaking platform, Joy loves showing women how to stop living their life on autopilot and awaken to the life they've always wanted. But first, we have two can't-miss events coming up. Not one, but two. Two.
0: One is for business. One is for wellness. They're both related. You'll learn a little bit of each at each, but depending on where you're at, what you want to come to, April 20th, and 21st. In Los Angeles, we're doing our Rise and Bloom Mastermind. It's a high-vibe mastermind for wellness entrepreneurs to create the business and lifestyle you have been dreaming of. I love the name of it.
2: It's pretty, right? Rise and Bloom. Rise and Shine? Rise and Bloom. Rise and
0: Shine. We won't get up that early, don't worry. (laughs) No, we're not (laughs) early Susie and I aren't early risers. (laughs) No. (laughs) You'll get to have breakfast on your own. You can just chill. No, I'm going to make you smoothies though, for real. For real, I'm gonna make you smoothies. And she's got amazing smoothie game. So,
2: what are they gonna learn at Rise and Bloom?
0: We're gonna be in the really intimate group setting. This is really small. It's not a big conference, not a bunch of people on stage. It's going to be, you're gonna be in the hot seat. We're gonna talk about your wellness business or your wellness goals, whether you already have a business or whether you want to start something like a podcast, a YouTube channel to share your wellness journey with the world to help heal others. We're going to help you. We're going to mastermind you. We're going to figure out how to get your business to the next level.
2: So what are they going to learn? We're going to dive into content creation, number one, video production. Ooh, Allison is a genius at that. She yes. owns her own production company. Yes. Podcast production, we both can talk about that. Yes. Social media strategies and more. I mean so much more and we're really going to customize it to whoever
0: signs up. So if you sign up and you say, I want to learn Facebook ads, we're going to do Facebook ads. If you sign up and you go, I want to start a podcast, we're going to talk how to start a podcast, how to market a podcast, how to monetize a podcast, how to get listeners engaged and involved in listening to what you're doing. So whatever you want to learn is what we're going to focus on. And it's going to be a really individualized approach. So it's going to be how to build your business through video, audio, photo, and blog content. Beginner and advanced marketing and monetization strategies, how to do partnerships, collaborations, sales funnels, Instagram engagement, creating digital courses, membership sites, whatever you guys want to learn is what we're going to focus on.
2: And you know, that's really important, I think, for people starting out too, is that like some people are more open to certain things. Like Allison has certain strengths that I just don't and I wouldn't have if I hadn't collaborated with her on this podcast. But she does some things and I'm able to do others and together we're stronger for it. And I've learned a lot by being in this partnership with her. And you're going to learn a lot by coming to this class. It's going to be so much fun. And the part that I know nothing about that
0: Susie is an expert at is selling physical products. I can tell you how to sell a digital product all day long, but I've never sold a physical product. So Susie has her own line. And so if you have something that, you know, you want to start up, Susie's going
2: to be the go-to person for that. As well as a lot of people we've encountered sometimes on the the podcast don't know how to present themselves. And so you're also going to get with me if you want it, you know, how to, coming from a performance standard, how to present yourself, how to speak, how to talk, how to walk, That's also available to you guys too. So it's really what you need, we're going to cover.
0: Yeah. And that's such a good point because unfortunately, we've interviewed people on the podcast who haven't been able to tell their story in such a way that listeners will understand. So you've had to cut the interviews. And that's terrible because we want to share stories. So if that is something you may be struggling with, you're like, I have a story and I just don't know how to tell it, we're going to help you tell that story. And
2: that's just technique. You know, when they talk about technique in the arts, whether it be dance, performance, stage, speaking, singing. It's just things that you can practice and be aware of. Yeah. Podcasting is so new. A lot of things on digital media are so new. People just go before they're ready. And that's good sometimes, actually. Just get it out there. Just do it because no one's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And you learn by doing. But it never hurts to ask questions, to be vulnerable and and be like, I want to be better at this or Mm -hmm. I want to be the best I can be. What do I need to cover? Absolutely. And so that's day one. Okay. What's day two? Day
0: two is my favorite day. Okay. (laughs) Day two is actually optional. So we wanted to give you two options. You're You're not
2: going to want to miss day two. You're
0: not going to want to miss it, but you can if you want to. Okay. So day two is going to be, we are going to get together. We are going to get in our hottest gowns and dresses. We're going to glam up. We're going to glam it up. And we're going to go to the Humane Society Gala at Paramount Pictures on their New York lot it is the best party of the year. I look forward to it every year. We're going to walk the red carpet. We're going to sit at a table together, eat delicious vegan food. We're all going to cry because the presentations are so phenomenally good when they talk about all of the good that they're doing in the world. And what they do is they honor people who are really making a difference in the plant-based community, in the animal activism world. There are celebrities there. I've literally had one-on-one conversations with so many people that I would never have had access to had I not been at that event between influencers to celebrities to just people doing something good in the world. I've definitely brought a lot of people on the podcast from meeting them at this event. It's great networking for your business. It's a great opportunity to dress up, hang out. We're going to have a limo, take us to the event. We're going to have a glam squad come over, do our hair and makeup. So it's really going to be just a really fun time. Yes, guys, you're invited too and you don't have to get your hair and makeup done, but this is not a women's only event. So guys can come too. You just got to get fancy. Yeah. So we're going to have so much fun. So if you're interested, all you have to do, you can literally sign up right now. Go to www.foodheelsnation.com slash mastermind. You can see both the options. Pick the option that's right for you. And then what's going to happen is we're going to reach out to you and say, what exactly do you want to learn? What are you struggling with? So we can customize the experience to you. Sounds amazing. I know. And then we have another event. Another crazy. one? We're crazy. What? <laughs> You guys know what this one is because we can't stop talking about it. And we're not going to stop talking about it. No, why would we? Until it's booked. When it's booked, we stop talking. That's right. And we shut up. (laughs) So if you want us to shut up, no, you don't, hopefully, because you're listening, hopefully you don't want us to shut up. Come to Italy with us. Come to Italia. Susie will speak Italian to you as you fall asleep next to the waves of the Amalfi Sea. It's true. I will. (laughs) Or, Or maybe you fall asleep in the infinity cool after
2: a nice glass of red wine. And an amazing vegan Italian meal.
0: Yes. So we're going to Italy. You guys already know this. We have two spots left. Two spots. What? Two spots. Due. Yes. So if you want to come, you can bring a friend. You can come by yourself. Either way, we'll pair you up. Or if you have a friend, the time to book is now, people. Two spots. Take them or leave them. It's going to be so
2: much fun. Yes. It's one of the most amazing places on the planet. If you've never gone, maybe you're hearing this right now because it's your mission to go to Amalfi with Susie in Italy of the Food Hills podcast. Why would you deny your mission?
0: Why would you deny that, people? That is why we live today. (laughs) All right. It's June 2nd through June 9th. It will be plant-based. There will be any kind of dietary restrictions you have. Don't worry about it. We've got you covered. All the food is included. All the dinners will either be out to eat at beautiful Italian restaurants on the Amalfi Coast, or we will be eating in, dining in, and Chef Leslie Durso will be cooking us immaculate food. We're also going to live podcast, so everyone who comes gets to be on the podcast we're going to do a really fun italian podcast
2: we don't know what's going to happen it's going to be amazing it's going to be awesome so
0: what's the website for that www.foodhealsnation.com slash italy slash italy and uh just email us if you have any questions info at foodhealsnation.com
2: the food hills podcast starts now
0: all right, so today's theme is all about self love and letting go of limiting beliefs. So, first up, we've got Jolyn Philbrook. Jolyn is the creator of the Breakthrough to Prosperity formula. She teaches you how to find the power within yourself to transform your
2: perception, integrate, and energize a new way of being. She's also a speaker, transformational coach, and the number one bestselling author of the Gratitude Book Project celebrating 365 days of gratitude, reflections, and her newest book, From Tears to Triumph. Welcome, Jolyn. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited
0: to be here. Thanks for being here. And I don't know that we have ever had a guest who has beat cancer twice. <laughs> well, it's,
3: uh, it's a journey and I don't recommend it to anybody, but it's a great learning experience. I had great ahas through it, but I'd rather learn my lessons the easy way what is the easy way is there an easy way yeah (laughs) yes and i learned it going the hard way so my experience is we all have um, basically i'm abundant mindset expert and i work in the mind but what we forget about is our emotions and so through the cancer experience I kept working in my mind, clearing the beliefs and working on what caused the cancer? Why did I get it? Because I like to find the core reason to things. I like research, and I just don't believe that we get sick. I think... We have a part in it. So when I really started diving into why did I get cancer, I came to the conclusion that it was my anger that I did not express that I shoved down and this anger had nowhere to go but start eating away at my body, which caused a dis-ease and it showed up as cancer. And when I was in the breast cancer experience, I started asking these women because I wanted proof. I wanted to know if I was on the right track. So I'm in the doctor's office. I had many operations, a mastectomy, reconstruction. So every time I'm either in a hospital or a doctor's office, I was asking these women, um, did something happen to you a year and a half to two years before you got breast cancer? And all of them? said yes, except one, her brother died. And what I concluded from this was their heart was broken. They were angry and resentful because of the divorce. And so they just shoved down their anger and resentment. And then I found out the number one disease for women is heart attacks and then lung cancer, and then breast cancer. So we store our hurts in our chest area.
0: Yes, it's so true. And you know, I learned this lesson as well because I remember when both of my parents did have cancer, and when I started learning about holistic health and healing, I didn't get the mind, body, spirit part. My major discovery was, oh my God, the food we eat is killing us, right? And that is true to an extent, but it took me a long time to realize that our emotions could be killing us too, and that we are in control of those, and we've got to heal our past traumas within ourselves in order to avoid that disease. That's such an amazing conclusion for you to come to. What were you holding on to? What were you angry about? And how did you turn it around?
3: Okay, so three years after my divorce, my son comes home and says, Mom, I don't feel safe at dad's house. I saw him snorting a white powder, and he's taken alcohol into the car. My son was 10. And so that started the custody suit. And at the same time, my ex, I like to tie my story to the Wizard of Oz because he turned into the wicked witch of the West, going, hee hee he, hee hee, I'm going to get you my pretty. He wasn't really bad. I mean, the threatening phone calls, um, I was afraid to leave the house. He got aggressive. Like I had to stand between him and my son to protect my son. It got really hairy. And uh, basically, he flipped. He went from family man to this raging, angry person. And so I was also angry at how I was being treated and talked down and being verbally abused and threatened and scared. And my favorite thing to do at night was replay those tapes in the middle of the night and cry and scare myself even more. And one night I said, you know what? That's it. I'm not doing this anymore. So it started with a decision saying, I am not gonna cry and I'm going to get my power back. So I made the decision. And the second thing was I stopped talking about the problem. I went from problem to solution. So anytime anybody said, Oh, how is a court case? I'd go, Oh, it's going on. But did I tell you where I'm headed? What I wanna do? what my goal is, and I would go into my new life that I was going to build and create. And what was interesting is I had a premonition dream before I got breast cancer that I was standing on a stage in front of an audience of women telling them I survived breast cancer. So that was the dream I hung on to that, you know, I just had to transform my life.
0: That's incredible and the fact that you survived all of that I mean is amazing and so when you're speaking with people now I know that you have an abundance mindset you know there's something we like about being in the negative and someone asking you about your court case and you being like oh you won't believe how horrible it is and and things like that and I know that you've overcome that but why do we do that and how can we overcome that negative talk about whatever's going on in our lives and really reframe it
3: well Part of it is our brain is wired to think negative and we're taught and programmed to focus on the negative. And 95% of our reoccurring thoughts are negative and they are programmed into us from zero to seven years old. So what I teach my clients is you know, walk around with a notepad one day, you know, I say for a week, but you don't have to do it all day long. Just pick an hour or two where you really pay attention to your thoughts. And you will hear yourself say your critical negative thought, like, I'm not any good. I can't do this. I'm a loser. I'm stupid, whatever these kind of thoughts are. So as soon as you hear this negative belief, what you want to do is counteract it with something positive three times in a row. And the reason why you say something positive three times in a row is because that's telling your subconscious mind, pay attention, something new is coming in. And then it takes about 16 times of saying something pretty much in a row that it starts to go into the subconscious mind. So it's Practice. You have to practice listening and then practice saying something positive right after it. I just got
0: so excited because I think that I'm really meant to hear this today. And the fact that you said like our mind is programmed or wired to go negative is so interesting because I was on Instagram today and I saw this post by Scaleless Fitness and she said, the five second rule, the moment that you have an instinct to act on a goal, you must Five, four, three, two, one. You must physically move or
3: your brain will stop you. Yeah. And your fear, your doubts, your worries, all your insecurities will override the positive. And they're bigger and they're louder. And you listen to them more. And it's just how we're wired. So it takes a little bit more effort to go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's really not true. That's the old programming I really am this great person and I can do it. So one, two, three, four, five, let's go. (laughs) So I have to play devil's advocate here, ladies. And
2: you went through an awful lot, Jolene, like back to back. That sounds really, really tough. And I actually on and off for the past few months have been dealing with some tough situations where I've been actively trying to change my mindset because I know your perception is your reality. But when we talk about our wiring, it's like our evolution has taught us when we were roaming the lands and we didn't have houses and farms when we were more or less cavemen, you know, that was our evolutionary biology was teaching us to be afraid of the rustle in the tree because that might be a cougar and that could take us down. So like we're, we're fighting many, many millennia of evolutionary changes in our science, in our cells that tried to keep us alive that now fights against us. But if you're dealing with, as many people are in this day and age, dealing with tough circumstances that... If you describe them to anybody, people would be like, oh, man, that's really shitty or that's a really hard circumstance like you did, like with your custody battle after just battling cancer. And how do you, I mean, with someone that would say, you can't also just believe in magical thinking. And I agree with both of what you're saying. Like, you do have to remain positive. You do have to fight that negative tendency. I've been dealing with it all my life. I've been reading and researching about it because my my mindset was to go negative. And I come from a particularly pessimistic family. Um, but you also have to kind of, you can't have magical thinking, right? You can't be like, my house is burning down, but I'm going to have positive thoughts. You have to sometimes be like, this is my reality, but I don't have to react to it. What would your response be to that? Like to the people that say, no, (laughs) I'm dealing with something really shitty. My parent just died or whatever it might be.
3: Like you kind of have to balance it out. Don't you think? Yes. And the part that we're kind of forgetting about is the emotion. So if we're going through something really difficult, for instance, my sister was in the Santa Rosa fire and she wasn't sure if her house survived or not. Most of the area where she was living got burnt and she lost her house. And instead of her flipping out and crying and getting all all upset, she said, I know something good is coming out of this. So she's looking at life as an experience to teach us these lessons and it's how we're going to look at it our perception is how it's going to show up back to us mirror back to us so for instance if let's take prosperity somebody's laying in bed in the middle of the night and they're worried and they can't pay their bills and they're stressed out what they're doing is they're sending more energy to fuel fire of let's say not enough but if we stop that emotional feed and change it and it could be as simple as looking at a tree and saying there's an abundance of leaves on the tree there's an abundance of dishes in my cabinet and start training yourself to see the abundance that's part of it and then You want to get into the feeling of abundance. So that would be like dressing in your finest clothes, putting on makeup. I have a pair of shoes that when I first started speaking, I called them my power shoes because every time I stepped into them, I stepped into my power to step on the stage, which would be confidence. I would be confident. And now it's like anytime I put those shoes on, I'm automatically confident because I use that as an anchor. So, yeah, power shoes. You just find a pair of shoes. And when you put them on, you go, these are my confident power shoes. And when you walk, you're walking tall, you're walking proud. And you're feeling good about yourself.
0: Have you guys heard of the power posing that you're supposed to do before, you know, you walk into something, whether it's like a meeting or or something that you need to be like owning your confidence where you power pose in front of a mirror for five minutes? Yeah, the Wonder Woman position. I don't really
3: do it, but now I want to. I want my power poses and my power shoes. (laughs) So what I also teach my clients, which I think is very valuable, and I'd love to share it with your audience if it's okay, this technique... Is what got me through all the anger, the resentment, and the cancer, and it transformed my life. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. It's really, really simple. So whenever we have a negative emotion, and mine was resentment, what I learned was to feel the resentment. And in the beginning, I imagined I had trapdoors and at the bottom of my feet. I had a trapdoor in my stomach. I had a trapdoor in my heart, wherever in my body needed a trap door where I felt it in that moment. And the key is you feel the anger, the resentment. It could be guilt, shame, fear. You just notice where you feel it. You imagine a trap door and you breathe into the emotion and you say to yourself, I'm willing to release this. And you keep breathing and you go, I'm willing to release this. And after about 30 seconds or maybe 45 seconds at the most, the energy will shift and it will dissipate and leave.
0: That reminds me of Louise Hay, which is one of the first books and and people who got me into this work um, where you, you say affirmations like I am willing to release the need for, or I am willing to change, or I am willing to see things differently. And it's gentle and it's nice. And I like that. And what about grieving the person who loses their house, the person who goes through something such as you did with your husband and your custody battle? What about grieving the loss or the situation? Where does that come into the
3: system? In my book, I wrote about grief because one, I didn't know I was grieving going through the cancer episode. But what I learned was it's good to cry, but I had to give myself a time limit. Because if I didn't give myself a time limit, I would stay in that funk all day long. And the problem is, if you stay in that grieving, crying episode too long, Then your body starts to remember it. And as you wake up the next day, your body's remembering, oh, I'm supposed to be grieving. And it goes on this cellular memory now instead of a choice, a thinking memory. So it's really important to grieve, let it out, and then find something to shift that mood and find something that will lighten up your mood. You know, you're kind of doing both. You let go of the negative and then you bring in something positive.
2: That's why I love animals, dogs in particular, because they immediately make me happy.
0: My dogs are my therapists. They know when I'm sad. They cuddle me. I hold them. They just love without judgment. It's so wonderful. Babies too, <laughs>
3: but I see more dogs in my life right now than babies. And then they do silly things that make you laugh.
0: Oh yes, they do. Jackson has started a new routine of humping Charlotte every single day and he never used to do this. And at first I thought it was cute. And I would take pictures and videos, but now it's nonstop. And he chases her around the house and you just hear them running back and forth as he's attacking her. And Charlotte's a little old lady. But she's stout. Like she's big. She's not small. Yeah. Yeah. But she's older. She kind of lays down and takes it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We digress. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about, um, you have a podcast, The Inner Abundant Mindset. What do you cover on your podcast? Oh my
3: goodness. I love a variety of topics. We talk about relationships. We talk about, you know, more woo-woo stuff sometimes about clearing chakras. We talk about, oh my goodness, I think it's everything. We do not have a standard set. Like we only have to talk about money. I just kind of like we tie it in because it's enjoyable to bring it in. But who wants to keep hearing the same thing over and over again? One of my favorite podcasts is this woman that married this man and lived in the foreign country. I think it's Iran or Iraq. And he, in the beginning, was very nice. And then once he got her to the country, he got very verbally abusive. And she actually had to sneak out of the country. Not without my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. They made a movie. uh, Well, not this person, but there is a movie about it. But this one, she's writing her memoirs with her daughter and her book is going to be coming out springtime. But, you know, I like to interview interesting people that have had some life experiences and how they got through it and changed their life and what they learned from it.
0: Beautiful. And we do the same. So that's why we have you on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. All right. So can you leave us with, you know, your best advice on getting rid of those limiting beliefs and just truly living in an abundant mindset? Ah,
3: yes. I think the easiest thing to do for people would be anytime you hear yourself talking negative to just stop talking midstream. And you could even imagine a stop sign. And then you tell yourself, oh, that's not true. And then you want to like uncreate it or cancel it, delete it, something to that effect. And then you want to state the new belief. So for instance, you could say, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. I can't afford that. And you'd go, oops, stop. That's not true. I can't afford that. But right now I'm choosing not to spend my money that way.
0: Yes. I've done that before because I always tell myself, I don't have time. I don't have time. So I've reframed that to go, I'm choosing not to spend time on this at this time, but I will. And so that kind of makes me feel a little bit better because it is a choice the way we spend our time. So if I'm saying I don't have time, it's because I'm not prioritizing that thing. So as long as we have our, for me at least, if I have my priorities straight, then I always have time. My problem is maybe prioritizing the wrong things sometimes. So when I change that
2: around, it's almost like creating time. It's pretty cool. Well, time is relative, right? So if we say, I have all the time in the world, it massively shifts your perspective. And the times that I've really believed that and really like even just had that thought, I was like,
3: oh, I do have all the time in the world. That is so true. And then when we're doing that kind of work also, pay attention to the feeling, what you're feeling. Because the feeling is what's embodying that belief and keeping it stuck in your head, because the body is also a memory. And so you want to let that feeling out so the belief will dissipate.
0: And I liked what you said earlier about how the cells remember. So if we're grieving, too much, then the cells go, oh, okay, we need to grieve again. I've seen this experience in my life many times. Like for example, right now I am really into running and I ran my first half marathon recently. And so I've been training myself to run, but there have been so many times in my life where I've gone, you should go running. And I'm like, nah, I don't feel like it. That sounds exhausting. And then I don't go. But then once I started making it a regular habit every few days, then my body woke up and goes, We need to run and we need to run right now. We can't wait to run. And so it's that cellular memory doing that. And then the same thing, if I get into, let's say something happens to me and I choose to get depressed over it and it just brings me down that day. The next day I wake up and I'm still in that depressive place unless I choose to bring myself out of it. And I can continue that depression for a few days or I can bring myself out of it, but the cells are kind of like remembering where we were before and we're gonna continue this pattern. So I think it's really important to know that We are in control and the more times that we choose the abundant mindset over the, whatever it may be, poverty mindset, depressive mindset. Holding on to the past mindset, you know, we we have the power.
3: And food does like sugar plays into that a lot too, because sugar will bring you down also well, first oh, it, yeah, brings is, then well, then the it brings you up, then it brings you down. Delete it from your left. food. Yeah, don't eat it. Yeah,
0: and I still eat it on occasion, but I've severely, severely cut it down. Cut it out. Yeah, of but my
3: you leg.
2: eat it from fruit. You're bet you're more you're yeah, I'm I'm still behind. You.
0: <laughs> oh, I but still I'm, eat it, Suze. Don't you worry. But I just do it much less. <laughs> no, I eat it from vegan cake. Hello. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, I have severely reduced my sugar intake, but that's a tough one, but I, I know how much better I feel when I do it. You know, it.
3: the secret I found is I look at it and I go, Oh, my body doesn't like that. And that really works for me.
0: And I've been able to do it with all of the other things in my life. I've given up almost everything, sadly. But um, I was able to do it with meat. I said, I'm not eating chicken anymore. Never had a piece of chicken again that I did it with. And I already didn't eat red meat. And then I did it with seafood and I've done it with dairy and it's been no problem. And I don't look back and I don't have withdrawals. Sugar, I haven't gotten there yet. So I will take that advice to heart. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, good luck.
0: <laughs> Thank you. All right. Where can everyone find you online? Stalk you on Instagram, listen to your podcast, all that. Okay.
3: Stuff. Basically, and go to my website, www.jolinfilboric. And my podcast is innerabundantmindset.com. The podcast has its own website, but it can be found through Jolene Philbrook. Perfect.
0: All right. Well, thank you so
2: much for being here. I'll let you know when it's going to go live. Well, thank you. This was fun. I really enjoyed it. It was lots of fun, Jolene. I think we'll have you back because I'm sure Allie and I could talk to you for a lot longer.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun. I'd love it.
2: Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Jolene. Yes, to continue our theme of
0: self-love and overcoming those misbeliefs, those things we tell ourselves. We are chatting with Joy. She is a self-love transformation queen, and I met Joy and Jolene at New Media Summit. This is the event where people who have a story to share, they can pitch to podcasters like us to be on their show. So if you're listening and if you have a story to share and you want to pitch to us, and not just us, you want to pitch to 40 other leading podcasters, you can join us in San Diego at New Media Summit. And Susie, I don't know if you know this, but what happens at New Media Summit stays at New Media Summit. It's like Vegas? It's like Vegas. Totally kidding. Here's what happens.
2: <laughs> Susie, <laughs> tell them what the podcast. happens. <laughs> yeah, you might get on. What happens at New Media Summit
0: gets on a podcast. That actually is
2: true. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured. <laughs> the New Media Summit is a conference for coaches, authors, speakers, holistic practitioners, and entrepreneurs to receive detailed training on leveraging and monetizing the power of new media, and to pitch today's top icons of influence, who will be there for one specific reason, to meet you and feature your stories on their shows. So the next New Media Summit is April 12th to 15th
0: in San Diego. You can get $500 off the conference price using the coupon code FoodHeels. just go to ww.foodhealsnation.com/slash
2: new media summit and let's talk to Joy. Joy has endured many trials and tribulations, including her parents' messy divorce, two near-death experiences, bouts with depression, finding herself in an emotionally abusive relationship, and experiencing the death of her mother at age 27 and father at age 31. However, it was through these experiences that she cultivated the empowerment tools of energy healing and life coaching and redesigned her life from the ground up. Welcome, Joy. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you. We
0: met at New Media Summit, and the first thing that you said to me was, do you remember?
1: Yeah, I asked you if you've ever had a gasket naked on your show. <laughs> no one's ever asked us that before.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a good opening line, so I booked her. So why did you, why did you open with that line? What was your pitch?
1: Well, I said, you know, have you ever had a guest get naked on your show? And I believe he said no. And then I said, well, I'd love to be your first. Hi, I'm Joy Chang. I'm the author of The Naked Truth, A Woman's Journey to Self-Love. And I have a story that I share in my book about how I healed myself naturally from deep depression and suicidal thoughts through self-love. And I have seven practices that I share in my book that I would love to share with your audience.
2: And I said, you're booked, you're hired. <laughs> <'Cause it was laughs> but so she ridiculous. is not in studio, nor is she, well, she might be naked, we don't know. You but may be not, naked at home, but she's but not But she's not naked in naked. studio, audience, just so you know, <laughs> Food Deals Nation. <laughs> Allie and I are, though. So, you know, it wasn't just a, a cool,
1: like, Um, Line that obviously got your attention, but it obviously made sense as well for what I do.
0: Yes, you are tastefully nude on the cover of your book. So tell everyone about The Naked Truth.
1: Yeah, so a few years ago, I was listening to a speaker. His name's James McNeil. I was at an event where he was speaking on stage, and he was talking about when we die, that if we don't write our story down, then it gets lost in the world forever, that basically nobody could tell our story the way that we would. And so that really touched me and made me start thinking about my legacy. Like, what is it that I want to leave behind? And so that planted the seed, you know, that made me start thinking about writing a book because honestly, I had never thought about writing a book before then and then I decided last year to publish my book and I knew that it was going to be about self-love because they say that you teach what you need to learn and so that's definitely the theme of my life that's the thing that has been the lesson that I've had to learn
0: over and over again and so that's what I know um, a big part of what I'm here to teach and embody for others. Well that's a beautiful mission and you know that we're on board with that. Can you tell us really what are some of the traumas that you went through that made you have to teach yourself and learn about self-love?
1: Yeah so So it's interesting when you say the word trauma, because I think that obviously in order for me to learn that I had to be put in situations, I believe, where I wasn't loving myself. and. So the first thing that happened was I went through a period of deep depression and even suicidal thoughts in my 20s. And it was not only a really depressing, like, sad time, but also a really confusing time in my life because I really didn't understand why I was feeling that way. There was nothing on the outside that would make it seem like I should feel that way. I didn't go through a traumatic death or a breakup. I had a good job. I had family and friends that loved and supported me. I had a boyfriend. Now I know that I believe I wasn't loving myself and I wasn't living my purpose and that those were two big pieces for me. And what happened after that was I ended up in an abusive relationship. And it was then that I realized that I didn't love myself and that I needed to learn to love myself. And so I was in that relationship for four and a half years and on and off. And eventually I said, you know what, I need to end this relationship. I made the decision that I was going to end the relationship and then learn to love myself. So then the universe started bringing opportunities into my life to support me in that decision.
0: What were some of those?
1: these are some of the practices that I share in my book. And one of them, which is also tied to my purpose is realizing that I'm a healer. And I believe that we all have the ability to heal ourselves and heal other people. And so learning about that, I went to a seminar for an energy healing modality called matrix energetics. So that's one of the modalities, the one that I primarily use with my clients, and also realizing that, you know, we're not our thoughts that our thoughts are conditioned beliefs that we've been trained to believe about ourselves through culture, you know, through family and different experiences. And that the truth is that we're spiritual beings having human experiences. And when, you know, I realized that I'm not my thoughts, that I am perfect, and I'm divine, and that I can do anything, I was like, how could I not love myself? And especially as women, we literally have the ability to bring life into this world, right? And obviously, we need our men as well to do that. So you all have that creation ability. When I realized that I was just like, like, wow, I'm so amazing. We're all so amazing. And it was really hard not to love myself then.
0: You make it sound so easy.
1: Oh, well, I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> it's definitely it was it's, it was a journey. And it
2: still is obviously a journey, right? The journey is never over. Joy, tell us about the seven practices that you teach your clients. That's from your book.
1: Yeah. So the first practice is about shifting your beliefs. And so this is a super powerful practice that literally, you know, can change your life if you implement it. And it's really simple. What you do is basically you take any limiting beliefs that you have. For example, there were two beliefs specifically that I had when I was in that abusive relationship that were putting conditions on my happiness and that were really keeping me stuck in that place. And so one of the beliefs was this idea that if I got married, I'd be happier. And then I also had a belief that if I was single that I'd be miserable. So I said, how do I know that being married is going to make me happier? I'm sure there's a lot of people that are married that are not happy. And how do I know that being single is going to make me miserable? What if being single was the best thing that I ever did?
2: I think a lot of people have that belief and a lot of women specifically I think mm-hmm. have that belief.
1: You basically take any belief that you have and you say, how do I know? And you switch it and the cool thing with this is that you don't need to know the answer in that moment. You just need to ask the question. And by asking the question, the universe will like help you find those answers, you know, and you may not get the answer right away, but I found that in that. Questioning space that it just creates the space for possibility just by shifting that yeah it just works really amazing and that's that's also the healing work that I do with matrix energetics it's all about asking questions and getting curious you know open-ended questions and that's really where anything is possible because we tend to think that there's only two choices like good bad right wrong we're limited in what we think is possible but that's just not how the universe works we live in a universe that is infinite possibilities
0: yeah and I think this is so important and we talk about a lot on the show, but I do remember a time when I didn't think that my thoughts mattered, where I didn't think that what I told myself mattered. All that mattered was what I projected on the outside, right? I was totally lying to myself, but I didn't know. So by telling myself all of these limiting beliefs, I had no idea that I was actually shaping everything in my life. And when I realized that, that was so empowering that, oh, well, if I've been telling myself all the wrong things, let's say, if I just start telling myself the right things, things can and will shift. And that's really eye-opening. It literally was
1: me asking those questions that it gave me the courage to say, you know what, I am willing to take a chance and end this relationship and just learn to be single for a while because I had this fear of being alone and I had had something happen in my childhood where it created this fear of being abandoned by men, which I didn't even realize that I had until I was a lot older and I you know, got into relationships with men and then started realizing that I had this fear of being alone. And so I would go from one relationship to another, long-term relationships and just not be super happy, but be okay. And it's easier sometimes for us to be in comfortable, familiar relationships that aren't really serving us rather than taking the chance for something else that is unfamiliar
2: but better. Well, you know what's super interesting? I recently read a book called Sex Before Dawn, and this was recommended to me by my hypnotherapist. And it's a really interesting book, and it covers a lot of ground, but it basically addresses were we meant to be monogamous. So we come from this perspective that, like, you know, this Judeo-Christian perspective that one man, one woman, we're supposed to be just with one person, and that's it, and married and monogamy and raising a family – and this book addresses the fact that if we look at our closest related primates, which are actually bonobos and other factors, that we didn't necessarily evolve that way. That maybe that when we got socialized and we decided, okay, this is how we're going to be, that when we were in hunter gatherer tribe groups, that it wasn't necessarily how we function. Because if you look at a lot of statistics, a lot of people cheat. A lot of people do get married. They think they put the ring on it, that's going to be their fairy tale ending, and then they're not happy.
0: Life ain't a Disney movie.
2: Yes. Life ain't a Disney movie where once your prince comes or your princess comes, that's it. I mean, it is work and it is hard. And what this book did for me is just kind of open it up, be like, oh, that's just interesting because we always blame ourselves, right? That we have to suffer through, that we have to endure, that that's the only choice. We're in a time where we don't have to do that. You know, hundreds of years ago, women had to get married. That's the only thing you could do before women could even work. So it's an interesting time where you can choose to be single because we're also very social creatures. We like to pretend like I need to be alone. I need to be strong. I need to do this and do that. But truth be told is we're very social creatures that weren't necessarily meant to live in our own little bubbles, that we are meant to have social connections. And actually, this has been postulated now that that's maybe why people are so depressed because we've lost our community connections. We don't live in these Houses with multi-generations, we find our spouse, we find our lover, we have kids, and it's a lot of pressure. And not that, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child, but it also, it sounds like it's really nice to be in a village. I mean, I think you obviously lose certain personal freedoms, but I think this is a really interesting perspective to come from. We've never had so much depression. And if you look at cultures like, say, tribes in Africa where they're all kind of communal and together. Yeah, they don't have the certain freedoms that we do, but they don't have depression like we do. It's very interesting to look at. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things that really helped me with my depressive state was also
1: finding community. Women's circles was a big thing for me. And so that's another thing that I talk about in my book.
2: Another one of my practices is around support, you know, is immunity. So how do you find community if you don't feel like you have one? What did you do at your time when when you use this practice of community? How did you implement that?
1: Well, I mean, meetups are great, right? Going to a meetup group and finding there's a lot of things, anything that you're interested in, you can find someone that's interested in that too, or you can create your own. So I joined women's circles and I also created my own circles. And so that was really big for me. And I went to a retreat in Mexico and that was the first time that I found myself in a women's circle and I was on the beach and I had no idea what I was doing there. And we had this rock and we passed it around the circle. And if you got the rock, then it was your turn to talk. And you just basically shared whatever you wanted to share in that moment, whatever was present for you. And it was incredible because I realized that listening to every woman in that circle speak, that we really truly are all the same. We want the same things. It doesn't matter where you're from, what your cultural background is, your socioeconomic, we all just want the same things. And so we also struggle with the same things. And so I think that For me, it was really helpful because when I'm in circles, I realize that I'm not alone, that the thoughts in my head that I think are just my own, that drive me crazy and make me think I might be crazy, that everyone else has the same thoughts. So you realize that you're not that crazy, you're not that alone. And I think especially if you're feeling depressed, that's what you need to know is that you're not alone, that other people struggle with the same things. Exactly. What are some of your other practices? Another practice that I did was where I joined this Facebook group called the 100 Days of Self-Love. And I would write something every day that I loved about myself for at least 100 days. And to be honest, when I started that practice, it was like a big stretch for me. I thought, I don't know how I'm going to come up with 100 things that I love about myself. It just felt like this huge challenge. But I said, I'm willing to give it a shot. So every day I would write in my journal and then I would post it in the Facebook group and sometimes even on my own page. And it was really powerful. I not only was able to do a hundred days, but I went on and did over 365. I don't even know how many days I did it, but you know, it was, it was really powerful for a couple of reasons. The first thing was that it really trained my mind because like I said before, I think that we all have a critical mind in our heads, right? That's constantly like a critical voice that's constantly telling us that we're not good enough. And so by writing down something that you love about yourself and you're training your mind to start looking for the positive things about you rather than negative things. And so if you do it at the end of the day, especially, then you know that your mind's going to be looking for that during the day. And so it's really powerful to do that before you go to bed. And then the other thing was realizing that there are really an infinite number of things to love about myself and that we all can love about ourselves. And I think also having a community of people, you get to see what other people say so it can help you think about things that you might not have thought of. And there really is a power that comes in when people are coming together for a common purpose. This idea of synergy that one plus one equals three, then it's not just two. And it really compounds what's possible when you're in a group with other people that have similar
2: intention. So, the opposite of self love, did you feel like you experienced self loathing? Like you had a lack of appreciation for yourself?
1: I would say both. And I think that the reason that self-love really helped me with depression is because they say that depression is anger turned inwards. Because, you know, when you're depressed, people can say, well, you should just be happy. It's not about not being happy. You're actually angry at yourself. You don't love yourself. And I didn't realize that until, like I said, I was in that relationship that was abusive. And then I was thinking, well, obviously I don't love myself because if I did, I wouldn't be in the situation continuously, right? And so that's why self-love to me is definitely the key to if you're in that depressive state is to realize that you're not loving yourself. So remind yourself, like, what do I love about myself? Because there's
2: always something you can think about. Did you have to practice self-forgiveness before you could get to the self-love part? Because there's many books. There's one in particular that, Power Versus Force, which is a great book, has the kind of levels of emotion on an energetic scale. I'm sure you've seen this before, where depression is the very bottom, and I think peace and acceptance is at the very top. And then depression just energetically is just, you have no energy. And then anger is actually above that because at least it's outward energy, even though it's anger. It's still, you know, people would consider that a bad emotion, but it's actually better than depression on an energetic level. That if you can get from that depression to the anger, find out who you're angry with, even if it's yourself or someone else, that it's actually moving towards being happy because happy is up there. And then peace and acceptance is even beyond that, where it's almost like nothing can really get to you because you're at peace, which is actually people think happy should be the highest level of emotion and peace is above that. So did you have to practice some self-forgiveness before you could get from your depression to self-love?
1: Yeah, I did things, I would say, at the same time, a lot of different things. So it's not that you have to forgive yourself before you can do this practice. You can definitely start this practice wherever you're at and start writing down at least one thing that you love about yourself every day. And the other thing is that part of self-love of my journey was embracing the things that I didn't want to believe about myself, the quote unquote negative things about myself. You can definitely start the practice with where you're at right now with 100 days of self-love. So you can start writing down at least one thing that you love about yourself every day that you don't need to have forgiven yourself for everything that you've done in the past to do that. And to me, part of the journey that I've been on with self-love is also embracing the parts of ourselves that we don't like. It's not that we are rejecting that, it's actually embracing it and saying, you know, that all of me is okay, right? So I can be like nice and I can also be a bitch and I can be this or that or like I can be all of these things and they're all part of who I am and it's okay.
2: And so what are some of the other practices that you want to share? So another practice that is similar to the 100 Days of Self-Love is
1: a gratitude practice. So I also had a Facebook group called What Am I Grateful For Today that I joined. And every day I would write down something I was grateful for and post in the Facebook group as well. And again, that just retrains your mind instead of looking at what's lacking in your life, looking at what you have in your life, right? What can you be grateful for? And so that's also a really powerful practice.
2: Great. I love that. That is something that helps me as well. Writing it down, I think, is always more powerful, but I always have to tap into that when I'm feeling particularly angry or I don't know what, not happy, not happy, and then I just stop and I go, okay, I'm grateful for the sun, I'm grateful for my dog, I'm grateful, you know, I just start talking to myself because it takes you out of that place of feeling like a victim or not realizing how much you have. Yeah, exactly.
1: Our culture is, is constantly bombarding us with the marketing around what we need, right, and forgetting what we actually have.
2: It's right. Because in Western society, we have so much. We really do. I mean, all of our most people, not everybody, but most people in the US and the West have most of their basic needs taken care of. And we're always striving for more and we forget what we actually have. So practicing gratitude will kind of tap into that and just realize like, you know, am I okay? Like I'm a worrier, right? So I would always worry about things. And it's like, okay, if all of your basic needs are taken care of, everything else is just problem solving. It's okay. Basically taking the charge away from whatever I was freaking out about and really realizing how much in my life I do have. That's great. Any other final tips,
1: practices? There's a few more, you know, one of them is affirmations where you can actually put mine on my bathroom mirror so that I would see them every day. So you can write or type out affirmations and post them somewhere that you'll see them all the time, whether it's your bathroom mirror, your kitchen, fridge, wherever it's useful for you. And then make sure that you say them out loud because that's really powerful to yourself every day as well. And then another practice is a mirror practice where you look at yourself in the mirror. And this can definitely be edgy for people. At the beginning, it may be really uncomfortable. And especially because as women, I'm sure we spend a lot of time just looking at ourselves in the mirror, but usually we're telling ourselves all these negative things when we look at ourselves in the mirror, right? We're always like, Oh, my nose is too big or my this or that is not right. So we're just picking at ourselves.
0: I don't know what you mean. I've never never done
1: that.
2: She (laughs) hasn't. She hasn't. So the
1: practice is to look at yourself and tell yourself
2: positive things, right? So you're beautiful. I love you. You're perfect the way you are. I have a story to share regarding this. So I've always loved my hair, but as I got older... You have good hair. Thank you. You're welcome. But as I've gotten older, and actually... I'm going to share this with Food Heals Nation. I have not shared this with our audience before. Ooh. When when I lost my mom, mm-hmm. my hair started to thin. Mm-hmm. It happened about six months later. My hair started to change, and that can happen when you have a traumatic loss. I lost my mom Joy at 36. Mm-hmm. And six months later, my hair started to change. I thought, oh, that's weird. Like, I guess it's because I'm getting older, but I was like, no, I'm kind of young. And, you know, doctors told me, well, that can happen with like a major emotional upheaval. It can mess up your hormones. It can change your hair. And ever since then, I've been kind of sensitive about it because I used to have a lot more hair. And it's gotten a little thinner. It was at Sundance when we were at Sundance. I forgot where I was. You weren't right next to me, Allie, but I forgot where I was. And this woman just turns to me and she's like, I love your hair. It is the perfect coloring. It's just, and you know how I'm harsh about my coloring, right? Like I'm (laughs) never happy with it. And I just stopped and I said, thank you. And I didn't say anything else. I just said, thank you. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting that like, I'm judging myself so harshly for what I used to have, or I don't have now that I'm, you know, I'm in my forties and I'm not 18 anymore. But from this woman's perspective, she really liked my hair. And it just kind of flipped it on its head. it's like, okay, well, maybe I don't have what I want or what I used to have, but hot damn, it still looks good.
0: Well, I'm proud of you for taking the compliment is all I was going to say, because it's hard for us women not only to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I am beautiful when you're like, I am ugly or my hair is too thin or what have you. But Susie, you sat there and you went, thank
2: you. Yeah, and that's part of all of, and I'm sure that's what these practices that you teach, Joy, just stopping to be present and to really listen to what you're getting, as opposed to listening to the freaking voices in your head. <laughs> and I didn't get to say this earlier that sometimes people aren't even aware of what they're thinking. I wasn't.
0: Right. I, I it took me many yeah.
2: years of therapy until my therapist said, "Do you realize that you're really very hateful to yourself?" And I was like, "No, no, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I am." Wow. Okay. I guess I am. Like I'm really mean to myself in my head. I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And I would say things to myself without even realizing it that I would never say to any girlfriend. You
0: would never treat your friends the way that we treat ourselves. Never. Well, I
2: wouldn't have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. You know, to be so hypercritical. And I often think if women did this before there were mirrors, probably not. When were mirrors invented? I don't even know. Probably (laughs) before that, probably 1500s. But even then, like people weren't judged so harshly before there was so much photography and now video and now internet.
0: Okay. In 1835, the mirror was invented by a German chemist, Susie. Justice von Liebig. Thank you. (laughs) So before 1835, women were probably not telling themselves, I hate my hair and I hate
2: my nose. No, because they really (laughs) didn't know what it looked like. And the, you know, like, and other things mattered too. Women have always been judged on their looks let's just face it.
0: And then they've always judged themselves. And so if we choose to go against that, everything can change. Well,
2: not to pay it so much attention. I mean, with filters and airbrushing and Instagram filters, and it's just, it's
0: not real people. I have a question for you ladies. Is it okay to look in the mirror and tell myself I love myself and tell myself I'm beautiful, but then still use an Instagram filter to make me pretty? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Joy, what's your answer?
1: Yeah, I think that this is a somewhat similar topic. So I used to wear makeup all the time and I literally could not leave my house without it. I felt like I was too ugly. Like I felt like people would look at me and I feel bad for them. I'm like, I really can go to the grocery store, I can go to the gym or anywhere, you know? And I went to Taiwan and took care of my dad when he had cancer when he was sick for about five weeks. And I was there for a few months, but I only had five weeks left with him. And I didn't wear makeup at all because you know I never went out of the house basically. I didn't really see anybody. So it really didn't matter. And I ended up just coming back to San Diego after that and not wear makeup anymore because I just was like, like felt like I really didn't need to. And then so now it's like I've been learning how to go back to like appreciating that it's okay, like I can wear makeup, but I also don't feel like I have to. For me, it's a really beautiful space to be where it's like I can use makeup to enhance anything if I want or obviously if I'm doing photos or for like a networking event or speaking event but I also don't feel like I need to wear makeup to go out that I don't believe I'm ugly anymore that people will look at me and you know like feel bad for them or anything like I totally can feel fine and feel beautiful without it so that's my take I think it's your intention behind it
0: yes
2: I agree it's your intention for sure I totally understand. I used to be very much the same. I grew up with a mother who had a Hollywood vanity and put on full makeup and eyelashes and did her hair every day.
0: This is such a movie. I can see it is. happening. I the used the little to, girl is watching. Well, it I loved it though. Mom. I would watch
2: her literally paint herself. But it was fun. It wasn't like, I mean, my mom did. She felt a lot more confident about herself when she did this whole makeup routine. And then I did it, but I also felt the same like, I would never go out without mascara and foundation, a little bit of lip gloss, but I've grown past it. Like, I will go out without makeup. I certainly feel better with it on, but to each their own. You know what it is? It's now for me. I put it on for me. Yeah. I don't put it on for other people. I used to put it on for other people. So
0: that's a big shift, too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm just full of them today.
0: I wear high heels for me, too. Yes. <laughs> that relates to my book because I have
1: some sexy pictures in my book that, you know, I have some people ask me about that. And I'm like, I think that to me, your sexuality is for yourself, right? It's an expression for you and not about looking that way for other people. And like you said, it comes back to your intention. For me, I don't feel like I have to wear makeup anymore. So that if I do, it's a choice that I'm making just because I want to do it. And yeah, it's not like, oh my
0: gosh, I need this in order to be seen out in the world. Yes. Christina Aguilera told me that with her song, Dirty. (laughs) No, but really, that's when I was growing up or whatever. And she was the first person I remember like kind of teaching me a little because she was getting all this flack for being over-sexualized. And she was like, why is it okay for a guy to do it when a girl does it, I'm a slut. And I was like, ooh. (laughs) And that's when I was like starting to learn. This stuff about myself and about women and about who we are and stepping into our power and the difference between sexuality and sluttiness and where is that line and all of that stuff.
2: And then that's why I got to bring it back to this book I read. People, go read this book. It's very interesting. Sex Before Dawn. So again, not saying monogamy is bad. I am married. I am monogamous with my hubby. But it's okay for the eye to wander. Well, yeah, well, it does. Right. It doesn't matter if it's okay or not. It happens over and over again. There's cheating websites and divorce happens. And really interesting that, you know, it postulates how monogamy started happening really when people owned property. Because when we were hunter gatherers and we lived in band tribes, that people were free with their sexuality, that you didn't necessarily have a monogamous partner. And that once we became landowners, where it wasn't this kind of everybody shares the earth mentality that this is my land and I am going to make sure that this stays in my lineage. And that woman is going to make, I'm going to make sure she has my children and no one else's children. It put it into a different perspective for me.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It changed my perspective totally that it's just very interesting that we went through this shift that maybe what we've been taught and we all assumed isn't necessarily how we evolved. And now we're having all these issues with it.
0: And that applies to so many other things. Like You right now could be talking about the state of healthcare in America. You know, maybe what we've been taught isn't necessarily true. Yeah. So shifting focus. So Joy, (laughs) you had two near-death experiences. Can you tell us about those? Sure. So one of them was when I was
1: in a car accident. Very interesting. I actually got squished between two cars. One was more like an SUV and then a smaller car. So what happened was I think I was in junior high and I was getting a ride back from my best friend and from her dad. He was dropping me off, but he parked right on the end of our driveway and he should have parked across the street. And then my sister was coming home from high school and so her friend was dropping her off and her car was on the driveway. I got out of the car and started getting my stuff together and then I closed the door and when I turned around, my sister's friend had been backing up. So I got caught in the middle of those two cars. I yelled mom, my mo- like mom, even though my mom wasn't even home at the time. And then my sister had gone inside. I guess she probably heard me. So she came out and then her friend stopped and then went forward. And I immediately went halfway down, you know, because it sucked all the air out of me. And just thankfully, I didn't get squished anymore. This is totally a weird, funny story about it. But we had carrot cake at school that day for some reason. And so I actually never ate carrot cake again for like many, many years after that. Maybe like five years ago or something, my sister had a party and her friend made cupcakes. And one of the cupcakes was a carrot cake cupcake. And so I tried it and I was like, wow, this is really good. Like, I can't believe I've been missing out on carrot cake all these years. So that was one of them. And the other one, which was maybe not as exciting, (laughs) but we went to a outdoor water park with my family when I was a kid. So there are like these rocks and slide down and into the water there, and so I like slid on this rock and I went in this water, and I didn't know that it was really deep, and I wasn't very good at swimming, and so I started feeling like I was drowning and I actually closed my eyes and I said, "I love you, God." those was like the last four words that I remember. I grew up Christian, and so I was pretty religious, and I just remember saying that and and had my eyes closed, and the next thing I know, I'm out of the water, laying on the ground, and my brother had pulled me out.
0: Wow. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joy, for being here and for all your knowledge and wisdom. I think you have a free gift for Food Heals Nation. Can you tell us what that is?
1: Yes. My gift is called the 7-Day Self-Love Challenge, and if you go to my website, joychang.com, then you can sign up for it there. And when you sign up, you'll get an email every day for seven days, and each of the emails will include a different self-love practice. And so we've talked about some of the practices here. There's a couple more practices that we didn't mention. And so if you go there, you'll get to experience the other practices. And if you take these practices and implement them in your life, then it'll definitely change your life.
0: So beautiful. And one last question. We met At New Media Summit. Can you tell Food Heals Nation a little bit about your experience? Did you like it? Would you recommend it? How was that for you? Yeah,
1: I would definitely recommend it. I'm going to be at the next one in April and I'm really excited to go again. It was amazing, especially if you want to be on podcasts, if you have an amazing story that you want to share with the world and just get it out to more people. And also, if you want to have your own podcast, it's also really great to go and to meet people that could potentially be guests on your show as well. So I highly recommend it. The people there are amazing. I just think everyone there is impact driven and heart centered and just people that are really genuine, authentic and a lot of fun, too. So I would highly recommend it.
0: Yes, I totally agree. It was so great to meet so many like-minded people, people that are really sharing their stories with the intention of helping others and changing the world. And I thought it was beautiful. And what a great opportunity to learn about podcasting, to pitch to be on other people's podcasts. It was just fabulous. So Food Deals Nation, if you wanna come to the next new media summit go to www.foodhealsnation.com slash new media summit use the coupon code Food Heals. you'll get 500 dollars off the conference price i'll be there joy will be there and joy where can everyone find you on twitter instagram social media all that good stuff so you can find me on twitter under self love healer
1: and then linkedin is joy chang and facebook is joy chang as well
0: okay perfect well thanks so much for being here thank you joy